Do you ever wonder, what's my purpose? Yeah? Do you ever wonder that? I do. Please don't say I'm the only one. Um, what's my purpose? What am I doing? What am I meant to do? What am I about? It's a very important question. And we can struggle with that question. We can struggle with the answer. We can have times when we actually don't know what our purpose is, when we're not sure what our purpose is. It can get hidden. It can lose sight of it. All sorts of stuff can get in the way. And that can be true of us as individuals and as a church family. Here, as a church family and the global church family, it's easy for us to lose sight of what we're about and what our purpose is. And our purpose is really very, very important because it's the reason we get up in the morning. It keeps us going when the going gets tough. It keeps us focused and on track. And when the storm threatens to blow us off course, it helps to take hold of us and keep us going in that direction that we ought to be going. Now, for many, many years, companies and organizations have summed up or encapsulated their purpose in a mission statement. So I thought it'd be a little bit of fun this morning if I told you what some of those mission statements are and you guess what they are, okay? Like a bit of like a continuation of the quiz, but without that horrendous singing, okay? <laughs> so, sorry, Steve. Um, so people haven't slept since Friday night, Steve. I mean, it was that bad. So, anyway, right, the first one. Are you ready? A nice, easy one to begin with. This is one company's mission statement, to bring the teddy bear to life. Who do you think that is? Yeah. Build a bear. Yeah, that's right. Or the teddy bear workshop. Absolutely. Well done. Good one. Now, this one is quite a low bar, low expectations for this mission statement. Not very grand. To refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit. Okay? To refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit. Who, who's that? B&Q. No. <laughs> you clearly didn't do very well at the quiz, did you, Johnny? Coca-Cola. Very well done. That's excellent. Coca-Cola. To refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit. It's a drink. Anyway. Next. <laughs> to give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected. Facebook, absolutely, or Boastbook, as I like to call it. To bring, this next one, to bring inspiration and innovation, this gives it away, to every athlete. Nike, yeah, absolutely, well done. Next one, to be a company that inspires and fulfills your curiosity. Any thoughts on that one? I like that one. I'm not sure you'll get it. It's Sony. That one's Sony. How about, how about this one? To ensure that it costs the earth to heat your home. <laughs> well, it could be any, any energy company, couldn't it? I, I made that one up. <laughs> I'm quite proud of it. <laughs> it. Yeah, it's funny. Well, actually, I'm not sure it is that funny. <laughs> if you can't afford to heat your home, it's absolutely not funny. Next, to help people around the world, plan and have the perfect trip. 
TripAdvisor, yeah, absolutely. This one, to accelerate the advent of sustainable transport. Tesla, yes, well done. Next one, there's one person in the room that has to get this, to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. And the answer is? Thank you, Starbucks. And the final one, always on message, that's right, always on brand. The last one, to serve a constant supply of lemon drizzle cake to Johnny. <laughs> and that's the new mission statement of the Soul Survivor Cafe. <laughs> so, it's a little bit of fun, but actually being reminded of our purpose, of our mission, is really quite crucial. And for us as a church family, and for the global church of God, it's really key that we do know what we're about on a daily basis. What is our purpose? What is our mission? Well, we find our purpose and our mission in God. That's where they're rooted. That's what fuels them. And that's what gives them direction and energy. It's God. We find our purpose and our mission in God. By looking at God's purpose, we see our purpose. God has a purpose and a mission. And amazingly, he wants us. He invites us. He draws us. He calls us to play our part in it. It's amazing. We are both beneficiaries of God's mission and we have a role in its delivery. We benefit from God's mission and we help make it happen. Isn't that incredible? God's mission is a mission of love in and for the world, the entire world. And it's love that we receive and it's love that we give away, love that we share. And we're reminded of this in a very special passage from the Gospel of Luke and it's chapter 8 and it helps us to see God's purpose and God's mission and our part in it. In fact, it paints a very vivid picture of that and helps us to be reminded of what it is. So I want to read that for us. It's Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 8, if you want to follow. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who'd been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, the parables of Jesus are like onions. We've talked quite a lot about onions 
uh, between Johnny and myself over recent weeks. And, and it's true. There are many layers to parables. We, we can think of parables as if, oh, there's, there's got to be a right way to read this. Or there's a one way to see this parable. And that's just not true. There's many layers to them. And we can see ourselves in different characters. We can see ourselves from different angles. We can see ourselves in different aspects or different sides of a parable. Jesus designed them that way. And it was uh, one of the gifts of them. And like onions, parables also bring tears to our eyes. They have that capacity. They can make us squirm. They challenge us. They prompt us and prod us so that we respond, so that we act differently and live differently. That's, again, why Jesus told these parables. Parables have that great capacity to make for squeaky bum moments because they make us really uncomfortable. So, Let's peel back a few layers of this particular onion, this particular parable, and let's see ourselves, particularly in two different sides of this parable. So we'll see the parable from two different angles. And I'd like to do that by uh, just uh, looking at it from three, uh, in different ways, three different ways. Firstly, God has a mission. I'd like us to be reminded that God has a mission. The opening verse of chapter 8 of Luke's gospel is very striking. It shows that Jesus will fulfilling God's mission of love by being a living demonstration of the parable of the sower. Notice what it says. Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus took God's love wherever he could, like a farmer throwing seed. He just went about sharing God's love wherever he went. And in a way, our purpose is as simple and as difficult as that. Wherever we go, we share God's love. If we remember nothing else about our purpose, remember this. Wherever we go, we share God's love. It's what Jesus does, and as his disciples, we do the same. And in this challenging and confusing and painful time, maybe for you personally, but us as a church family, I think it's important to be reminded of this and to remember it. Because we don't lay this purpose down for a while until things get a bit better or a bit easier. We don't press pause on our purpose. It doesn't stop us being who God calls us to be and to do what God calls us to do. We continue no matter what, through good times and bad. Our mission is to take part in God's mission. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but uh, one of the projects we're working on in the diocese is called the Auburn Way, and that's a, it's a pathway, a discipleship pathway for young adults. And the young adults join this for a year and they do it whilst remaining in their place of study and, or their place of work. And every time that we meet in community, uh, we explore a different spiritual practice uh, so that it helps fuel lifelong discipleship. That's, that's the aim of this, lifelong discipleship, following Jesus in every bit of life for the whole of their lives. And um, one of the guys on that uh, pathway uh, he works, he's a lovely guy, he works outdoors. He's a tree surgeon. 
And I've had quite a few conversations with him. And one of the things he said to me uh, was really quite striking, and I've not forgotten it. And I just want to share this with you now. I asked him how he copes with the winter weather, thinking it can't be easy working out when it's cold and when it's wet and when it gets dark really early and it gets light really late. And he said to me this, I just focus on what I've got to do and where I am. I just focus on what I've got to do and where I am. And I've not forgotten that. He's mindful. He's in the moment. He's not thinking about anything grand. He's not thinking about tomorrow necessarily. He's not thinking about all the conditions around him. He's just focused on what he's got to do and where he is. I don't know about you, but I can spend so much of my time moaning and groaning about the conditions of my life. And don't get me wrong, those are all important things. They really, really are. And they can make life really quite difficult, can't they? But if we just focus on the conditions, then really, we'll never get up in the morning. Well, I certainly wouldn't. And it can be tough. But in that, I think Ben's words are really encouraging to us. That in life's difficulties, in the tough times, when it's cold and wet, if you like, when life is hard and we really don't feel like getting up in the morning, actually just focus on what God's given us to do today and where he's sending us today. And that is about sharing his love with the people he's given you that day. It's as simple as that. And sometimes that's all we can manage. And maybe sometimes we can't, and that's okay. It's okay to be honest about that. But it's as simple as that. Share God's love with the people God's given you today. That's what you've got to do. Now, like Jesus, we are to be living demonstrations of the parable of the sower. Going from one place to another, spreading the good news of the kingdom of God, sharing God's love in our homes, in our places of work, at uni or college, at the gym, in the supermarket, wherever we go. And of course, this doesn't mean that we have to be preachers on street corners. I don't mean that. But that we live out God's love in every bit of life by what we say and what we do. That's what God has given us to do today. And he invites us to play our part. Now, that isn't always so easy, is it? But that's our calling. And that's what God invites us to do. It's about living out the love of God, sharing it in every way that we possibly can. Jesus took God's love wherever he could, and that's what he invites us to do too. And this leads me on to the second thing that I want us to look into, God's approach. Now, as I said before, we can think of this parable in two main ways. Now, the first way is a way that we often look at this parable, and that's to think of ourselves as the soil, receiving God's love and being receptive to God's love. And we spend a lot of time in church and, and beyond giving attention to that so that we've got to clean up the soil. We've got to make it as good as it possibly can in our own lives so that we can receive all that God has for us 
we can receive his love. And that's the way that we focus on it. Now, that's very important. But it's only part of the story. It's only one side of the story. The other half of the story is the sowing side of the story. And that speaks about God on a mission. God in action. God, who is like a sower, sowing his seed extravagantly, generously, and liberally everywhere. On the path, on the rocks, amongst the thorns, and on good soil. All with the hope that those who are open to his words of love and forgiveness will hear them. The only concern of God the farmer is that the seed goes everywhere. He's not selective He's not choosy. He's not critical. The farmer doesn't exclude. He wants everyone to have the opportunity for his love to grow and bear fruit in their lives. Although he recognizes that it will to varying degrees. And in this way, Jesus shared the good news regardless of the response he received. Now, there have been a couple of times in my life over the years when my heroic actions have not met with the response I expected. And I'm going to uh, just recount two occasions for you. The first occasion was when Kate and I went for a meal years ago, probably about 20 years ago now, back when I was in my early 20s. And, um, no, not early 20s, late 20s, maybe. <laughs> early 30s, maybe. No later than that, surely. No, okay. So, uh, anyway, a long time ago. And... Basically, we were eating this meal. It was around Christmas time, so it was a Christmas meal. The restaurant was full, and we were in this part of the restaurant, which was quite crowded, surrounded by tables and other couples and families. Anyway, we were enjoying our meal, and partway through, uh, there was an elderly couple just across the way, and the elderly guy started to choke, and he didn't stop choking. And at that point, Kate nudged me and said, you've got to go and give him the Heimlich manoeuvre. You know, the bit where you go behind them and you squeeze and hopefully what's lodged comes dislodged. Anyway, so that's what I did. I dashed over the room. I grabbed hold of him, got him up out of his chair and did it. And then, sure enough, 10 seconds later, out pops this sprout and it just flew across the room. Literally, it did. And the guy just sat down. That was it. I mean, I expected at least a nomination for Pride of Britain, something. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. Didn't say a word. Anyway, the second occasion was when we were on the beach in Oldborough, uh, and Kate and I were on the beach, sitting uh, on the beach. Uh, I think my parents had the kids. And this, this elderly couple, again, an elderly couple, um, and they came onto the beach, put their rug out, um, and then the guy went down to the sea. Now, it was really quite a blustery day, and the waves were quite rough. And the guy, I was watching him thinking, are you really going to go in there? And anyway, he did. He was in his trunks and he, he waded out. And then he was trying to get to go to swim. And the waves just kept crashing in. And they knocked him over. And that was it. Then he was struggling. He just couldn't get back to his feet. And the waves just kept crashing into him. So he was in trouble. And he was not in a good way. So at that point, I dashed over again. I grabbed him and pulled him out of the, of the sea. And at that point, he was really quite shaken, and he was shivering. So I sat him down, and I thought, right, I'll go and get your towel. So I dashed up to the beach, 
and to his wife. And I said to her what had happened, because she seemed blissfully unaware of, of what was going on. And uh, I'll tell you, explain why in a minute. And uh, so I said, oh, your, your, your husband's, you know, had this uh, incident and he's, he's feeling a bit shocked and he, he needs a towel because he's quite cold. Anyway, she handed me this, uh, well, I say towel. I mean, it was the size of an A5 piece of paper. I mean, I've seen bigger flannels. I mean, it was, it was, it was like how... Nobody could dry themselves on that, let alone get warm. So anyway, I grabbed one of our towels and I dashed down to the guy and I warmed him up and then I brought him back up to, to his wife. And, and at that point where I, I sat him down and he was just in no condition to speak at all and she just, his wife just said these words, silly old fool, and that was it. <laughs> so... And that was it. I walked off and that, that was that. Again, no nomination, no, no thanks, nothing. But God's way to share love is to share love with everyone regardless of the response. No matter whether it lands well or not, whether it takes root or not, whether it's appreciated or not, and so I wonder what difference does God's approach to the world make to you and make to me? Will we share in that approach of God who's pictured as a farmer who sows his love generously and extravagantly and liberally everywhere with all people without being selective or exclusive? And if so, how will it affect the way that we live each and every day? The sowing side of the parable is so important because it describes the sending of the church, the sending of us, the invitation for us to be part of God's mission. So imagine that we are the seed and then we are thrown, or to put it a better way, we are sent where God wants us to go, to the people God gives us to go to to the people God gives us in our lives. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, like throwing seed everywhere. God sends us into the world to everyone, not just to those comfortable people and places, not just to the places we think are more productive or receptive like good soil, not just to the people like us or the people we like, not just to the people who we think believe the right things or behave the right way, but to communicate and demonstrate and share the good news of God's love shown in Jesus Christ. How willing are we to see ourselves in the sowing side of the story as well as the soil side of the story, to play our part in God's mission are you and me open to being sent by God wherever he wants us to go? And if that was the second thing I wanted to highlight, then the third and the final one is this. Jesus shows that living God's mission is an adventure. It's an adventure not to be missed. Again, going back to that first verse of that passage, we're reminded that Jesus traveled. He went from one village to another. 
The mission of Jesus is about going to people, not simply expecting people to come to us on our terms. Jesus knows that some people that he meets will be casual listeners. Others won't be bothered at all. Others will be sort of bothered. And still others will give up every single thing they possess to follow him. But still he travels and he goes to people and relentlessly and consistently advances the mission of God. All to bring transformation to the lives of the people he meets. To call them into the great adventure of knowing him and making him known to others. Both sides of the parable. Of knowing him, the soil, and making him known, the seed. To call them into that great adventure of knowing him and of making him known. I encourage us to see ourselves in both sides of this parable because we receive the love that God extravagantly pours into our lives so that we can then go and do the same for other people. And that's the adventure of God's love. Ten years ago, Kate and I and the children, we were fortunate enough to go on holiday to Australia for a few weeks and we made a trip up to Port Douglas and to the Great Barrier Reef. And when we were on the boat uh, going out to the reef, we watched a promotional video. And the travel company made this claim. They said, once you've been immersed in the wonder and beauty of this adventure, your life will never be the same again. It was quite a claim, but it was true. Uh, although it was a lot messier than that <laughs> for us. Uh, because when we went there, we went on a snorkeling party with families. And when we headed out to the reef, uh, one of the children in this party uh, had a panic attack. And then that sort of freaked out all the children. And so we headed back to the platform. I got about uh, a two-second glimpse of the reef. And Kate got a no-second glimpse of the reef. <laughs> but we headed back anyway. And we had lunch on the, on the platform in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And then we, uh, we said, right, we'll try again. And that's what we did. So, but with this time, we said, well, instead of heading all the way out and then getting scared or, or, or worried or whatever, and then having to make our way completely back, what we'll do is we'll go out a little bit from the platform and then return. Go a bit further and then return. Go a bit further and then return. And everything was going well when, with that approach until we were in quite deep water by that point and enjoying the view, when this American guy bobs up out of the water and shouts, did you see that shark swim underneath us? Which I had, but I thought I'd keep it to myself because of the children. Anyway, our children turned into Olympic swimmers and shot, literally shot, back to the platform quicker than you could shout, shark. But it is a wonderful thing that through his mission, God invites us to dive headlong into that adventure of following Jesus, of knowing the love of Jesus for ourselves and making that love known to other people. It's safe to say, much more than that travel company, once you've been immersed in the wonder and beauty of this adventure, your life will never be the same again.
That's certainly my story. And I'm sure it's your story too. But God longs for that story to become somebody else's story. And you are part of it. I am part of that. That's the amazing thing. God sows his seed to plant within us the longing to know Jesus and to make him known to others. Years and years ago, I went to a conference, and at that conference, I was invited to write a mission statement for my own life. And I've remembered that throughout my life, and I've held on to it. I, I just want to admit this in front of you all. I'm rubbish at living it out. I fail catastrophically every single day of my life. And yet, every day, I ask God to help me to do it. I aspire to do it. I want God's help to be able to do it better. And it's this. Reflect the one who won my heart to win the hearts of others. That's my prayer and that's my longing. That's what gets me up in the morning. And I encourage you to come up with a better one than that. What is your mission statement? What is God planting on your heart and in your mind so that you can live out his adventure of love? You can live in response to that love that is so beautiful and wonderful, making its home in your heart and growing within you so that you respond by sharing that love with other people. What is your mission statement? How are you going to live that adventure out? It's not easy. I fail at it every single day. And yet, we can all of us have a go. We can just try it and see how it goes. And then when it doesn't go right, we can return to God and just say, well, that didn't go very well. Please help me. Forgive me or encourage me. It's a bit like us as a family going out from that platform and then returning and then going a little bit further and then returning. Are we brave enough to have a go, to just go and then return, go and return, to try a little bit at a time? But we need to be brave. We need to encourage each other to have a go and to be brave because we need to be committed as we do this in the adventure of God's love to go for adventure and not for comfort, to be committed to exploration and not just to familiarity, to connection and not to isolation and to everyone, not just a few people. Jesus sends us as the Father sent him. So be encouraged. Live the adventure of God's love and his mission. The adventure of knowing Jesus and making him known to others. And so to finish, the parable gives us tremendous hope, incredible hope. We will see growth where we step out in faith and in courage and have a go. We will see growth. In this parable, Jesus says, we'll see a wonderfully generous crop a hundred times more than was sown. God will use what little we have, the inadequate that I can offer, and he will use it to sow love 
and to further his mission of love in the world. When we commit to join in with God's mission of love, when we play our part in liberally and extravagantly and generously sharing God's love with all people in all places, when we're immersed in the wonder and beauty of the adventure of knowing Jesus and making him known, then God's promise is certain. It is sure the seed of God the farmer will produce amazing growth. We can count on it. So, maybe for all sorts of understandable reasons, you're grappling with the question, what's my purpose in life? Or maybe you've had that question and you've grappled with it on many occasions in your life. Perhaps you're struggling to know what it is or you could do with being reminded. And maybe as a church family, we need to be reminded at this time of what our purpose is. Remember, we find our mission and our purpose rooted in God. We don't have to make it up ourselves. We don't have to muster it up or rummage around and find it somewhere. It's God's mission and he invites us to play our part. God's love is for everyone, no exceptions. It doesn't matter what condition we're in, whether we're good soil or whether our lives are littered with weeds or rocks. The love of Jesus is sown into the lives of all so that we can go and sow it even into even more places and to the lives of many, many, many more people. The love of Jesus is being poured into our lives so that it can overflow from our lives into the lives of others. So I encourage you this morning, ask to be immersed in the wonder and the beauty of the love of God in Jesus Christ, so that it overflows from us all into the lives of every single person we encounter. Be immersed in the wonder and beauty of God's love shown in Jesus Christ. Amen.